0: Welcome to The Bruce Siski Show. Follow The Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to The Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9, KDAL.
1: 10, 12. It is a Thursday, the last day of November, they tell me. 2023, Bruce Siski show on KDAL coming up in about 25 minutes. We chat with UMV women's basketball senior Taya Hakamaki. Bulldogs at home this weekend in NSIC play against Wayne State on Saturday and Augustana Sunday at Romano Gym. We'll preview those games and talk about the Bulldogs season up to this point. But first, we talk wild. It's been a eh, somewhat busy week. With the Minnesota Wild, they you know coaching change, one of the top centers is suspended, and not nothing else going on really. And uh, joining us now, covering the Wild for NHL.com, Jesse Pierce. Good morning. Good morning, Bruce. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Wonderful. Excellent. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Rumor is you're getting your hair done right now. Which is this. I am. My
2: hair turned a little gray this week with all of the Minnesota Wild news. <laughs> I figured it was about time that I got
3: that fixed.
1: <laughs> That's very fair. And I will say that this is, we've been doing this radio show in some iteration for a lot of years. This is, we're, I think we're up, up over two decades now doing some sort of radio show. And I've never talked to somebody while they were getting their hair done before. So. I don't you know the,
2: it's a place for everything.
1: I don't know if this is pressure on you or me or both or neither. or I have no idea. <laughs> it's
2: it's going to be an adventure for all of us.
1: Yeah. Um, where do we even start with this? I, I, I guess I want to go back to even before the Sweden trip with this team. And it's it's just felt like this was teetering. It's felt like what happened Monday has been inevitable for some degree of time. And and whatever happened Sunday in Detroit, and and you know that made Bill Guerin to make this you know decision to make a move here. I don't know what exactly that was, but did you feel like this has been teetering for a little while?
2: Um. Yes and no. Right. I think I've always been far more critical of Dean Edson when it comes to his playoff situation. You look at how he's been out coached uh, against the St. Louis Blues two years ago, against Pete DeBoer and the Dallas Stars last year. I mean. And out-coached by meaning he didn't really match their coaching styles. He didn't match the changes that the other team would make, specifically during the playoffs. So I think, to me, those were the two biggest red flags, and those were the two areas where I was most critical. This year, coming into the season, we all knew the situation. We knew that last year, Dean Epson had one hand tied behind his back. This year, it felt like he had two, with the cap hits being even bigger, with returning the same team. Um, and, you know, frankly, returning that same team from last year to me It wasn't going to be like last year because last year they overachieved, they overexceeded so much. And this year, I feel like they played to the team that they really are. They have, you know, and it's just kind of a very mediocre, if not times bad, team. So I think Bill Guerin played the final and only card he really could play because, again, as we, I'm sure we'll discuss, there's a lot of no move no no move clauses. You can't trade your way out of problems anyway. But Bill Guerin couldn't if he wanted to, and he also doesn't have the money to go make any real changes so the only card he had to play was removing mr ebbson from behind the bench and that's what he did monday
1: all right so i'm going to go even further back then because i i think you and i have even talked about this if i remember correctly and and i think you know how i feel um are you surprised that this move wasn't made after the playoff series lost to dallas in april
2: i certainly think it would have been a Better move only because of the coaches that were then available. No disrespect to John Heinz, who obviously has been brought in to try to write this sinking ship. But I think there were some more options, a bigger list of of names that might help shake things up a little bit more in the team had they done this during you know the off season? had they done this following the first round playoff exit. Um, you know, and then not to mention it, it doesn't put Bill and Dean in as precarious of a situation. You know, Dean wasn't expected to come in and do a whole lot. A new coach would have had more time with the team, more time to figure out what could be done, versus John Hines now being tossed in, first of all on game day, and then now going back to Nashville, his former team. I mean, really, it's kind of a tough situation all around. So, yeah, I mean, certainly this would have been far more successful had Bill Guerin pulled the trigger
1: uh, day in May of last year. Jesse Pierce, NHL.com, our guest. Uh, with everything that's been going wrong, uh, and there's a lot here to unpack with this team, uh, it, it seems like the special teams' troubles are really what sunk Dean Evison. If you look at the, at the five-on-five play, I'll just go back to the Sweden trip, the two games over there against Ottawa and Toronto. I, I don't think there's any doubt the Wild with a better team five-on-five. And they just they, they couldn't get out of their own way. They kept taking penalties at bad times and put themselves in bad situations, putting a bad penalty kill on the ice against some really good power plays along the way here. Against Colorado, same thing. I thought their 5-on-5 play was pretty good. I thought Sunday their 5-on-5 play was as good as it gets, except they couldn't score. And they took some bad penalties, and Detroit took advantage. And, and Detroit won a game without scoring a single goal where each team had five skaters on the ice. So... I, I i guess i look at this in in you know big picture the the firing of bob woods along with dean evison also says this the penalty kill was the the biggest thing that needed to be fixed
2: and that's something that they haven't changed at all they've yeah. tried minor tweaks here but it needs to be a complete system overhaul at this point i mean you've got to get different guys in there but unfortunately yeah it's just ineffective un, and i think it's the frustrations that the team had we've seen it multiple times this year i mean against the Dallas Stars when they allowed Dallas to score eight, including five power play goals. I mean, you can't be taking these penalties when your penalty kill is as ineffective as the Minnesota Wilds, which still ran um, 32nd out of 32 teams in the NHL on effectiveness. So it is. I mean, I think penalty kill was a big dagger, but in general, I think, uh, you know, Bill Guerin had said it perfectly. They lost that it factor. And when I asked Bill to elaborate what the it factor was, he's like, they've lost this confidence which means they also kind of felt like they lost confidence in Dean, and Dean, unfortunately, just wasn't able to get them back as much as he tried. Um, You know, it just wasn't coming. So sometimes a new coach can be that spark that's
1: needed. John Hines comes in from, as we said, Nashville uh, prior to that, New Jersey. You know, you look at the numbers – Playoff success has not been there for him at the NHL level. He has seen some success coaching in the postseason in the AHL. That's not the same thing. I'm not trying to say that, but it's happened before with this guy. It's not impossible to suggest that they might figure some things out, but they got to get there first. That's the problem. Uh, you know, I, I look at him big picture, Jesse, and, and I see a guy that, that can help this penalty kill. I think. It, it, You look at the penalty kills that he's deployed in New Jersey and and Nashville, okay, you can convince me that he'll do a good job with that that side of the game. What I'm worried about is I look at what Nashville's had for players. I know he had an MVP Taylor Hall season in New Jersey when he was there, but I look at what Nashville had for talent, and I feel like that team offensively never got over the hump, and that's what I'm worried about here is this team needs to get better offensively, and I'm not sure John Hines is the answer.
2: And John Hines doesn't have a UC Soros in net. No. i him out, but, um, yeah, I'm, you know, trying to reserve any official analyst of John Hines as a head coach until I see what he can do. The positive is he will bring that defense-first mentality, which I think is very, very much needed for the Minnesota Wild this year. In addition to goaltending being just awful, I think a lot of that falls on the defense. The defense struggling and just being incredibly porous. I think John Hines might help shake that up. But you're right. I mean, that's the big question is, I look at his two uh, NHL dints with the New Jersey Devils and Apple Predators, as I mentioned and I'm like, Well, that didn't quite work as well <laughs> and he had more talent on, on some of those teams and it'll to say the least. I mean, you need Kirill Caprice off to get Goldie going. You need Matt Bowley to get going. And again, sometimes the coaches will do just that. They kind of you know, talking to the Minnesota Loud players the past couple of days, they feel guilty about it and they're but they're also excited because at the same time, as, as tough as the situation is for all parties involved, uh, it is a sign of faith that the Minnesota Wilds can still be this playoff team. Bill Guerin making a move like this rather than just riding out Dean and letting the chips fall where they may, may lie is a, is a vote of confidence. So I think the teams recognize that and they uh, are ready to step up. But it'll be interesting. It's, it's going to be a tough, tough uh, draw for John Hines because the schedule is not getting any easier. It just gets crazier
1: as we hit the month of December. Jesse Pierce, NHL.com. Matt Boldy scores a breakaway goal Tuesday to to seal that game in Hines' debut. How many fingers are crossed inside that wild facility that that was the springboard that gets Matt Boldy going?
2: Fingers, toes, whatever you yeah. need to do. Your legs, I think, right? I mean, nobody needed a goal more than him. And Freddie Goudreau, too, who who potted his first of the year. Both of those guys need to desperately get going. Again, we can all point fingers at Kirill, and Kirill's another one, too. But Kirill's still been doing some things here and there. I, you need a more um, energized on five-on-five, on five, certainly. But Matt Boldy needs to step up his game. And, and don't get me wrong, Matt boldy has been trying, I think. I think we've, we've seen stints of it and glimpses, but not nearly enough. So hopefully that continues on. He continues that prowess. He's found that confidence, that swagger
1: and uh, we see him get a goal or two this evening against the National Prepper. Uh Brock Faber, I-, I could argue, has been the Wild's best player, certainly the most consistent player. He's also 21 years old, and-, and you feel like there there's going to come a point where he does hit that rookie wall. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but more often than not it does. With that being said, how long can they continue with Brock Faber not running their top power play unit? Because it seems like he's the best guy to do it.
2: I have to imagine that's one of the first things John Hines changes. He had already talked about the, you know, they had their first practice under Hines yesterday, and again, he's, you know, evaluating. He's seen what he has. He wants to not come in and disrupt everything because that's not going to help anybody. But I imagine looking at special teams, power play, penalty kill is the first thing that he tries something new with, and I think that's going to be great. I mean, Ross Saber, you're absolutely right, has been one of the best players, if not the best player, for the Minnesota Wild, consistently night in and night out. I would toss. Marco Rossi into that conversation as well, which says a lot. These two young guys who just get it, and uh, I'm excited for the ex- uh, new opportunities that I imagine both of them will still continue to receive. Uh,
1: Jesse, did John Heinz tell you guys he's going to live out of a hotel the rest of the season? He did.
2: He's, uh, I mean, he's it's cushioned up in the St. Paul hotel, so it could be worse. Okay, was-
1: yeah, it's a nice hotel, but, but. I, I, I know. <laughs> <I>, <laughs>
2: I imagine it's because the wifey and the kids, he's got three daughters, uh, two of which are in high school, the other one's in middle school. They're staying in Nashville, obviously, because the school year has started. So I'm sure wifey wants to have an input on where they're going to be living and the house situation. So I'm sure he's playing it smart, being a good husband, waiting it out, (laughs) but... uh, he he's going to be holed up in a hotel for the rest of the year, from what I understand.
1: I uh, I'm just trying to imagine because I've got a we've got a trip next week. We're heading out to Ohio for hockey. For I've got a three night stay, and I don't know Jesse. The last time I spent three nights in a hotel, I'm like, I, I what am I going to do? I, I... <laughs> <laughs> you know,
2: get a get a room with a jacuzzi, maybe. I don't know.
1: Okay. <laughs> Okay, I, I could I, – I don't think company's going to like it if I try to, to pass that bill through, though. I, that's the problem. It's <laughs> hey, always yeah.
2: no one left to try, right, Bruce?
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's got to be weird, though. You know, your second game is the new head coach of the Wild, and now you're back in the city you just coached in for four years against the team you just coached for four years. That can't be normal. I, it's got to be a little strange for him tonight, right?
2: I mean, I would think so. I think, you know, lucky for him or unlucky, I suppose – the team itself is pretty different from the one that he had coached last year. I mean, they certainly have undergone undergone their fair share of changes as well. Um, the interesting thing was, I don't know that John Hines was well received in Nashville. I think the Nashville fans weren't huge fans because they saw them miss the playoffs for the first time in a number of years, and because things just didn't work out for them despite having a good team. Um, so I think that'll be the toughest thing for Hines. But also, it's kind of nice to just get it out of the way. You don't have that distraction. Hanging over your head. We talk about it for players all the time, right? Oh, they're going to return home. It's their first time facing their former team. Well, I imagine for a coach, it's nice to be like, okay, let's get in, get out, and hopefully you get the two points.
1: And by the way, Nashville's won six in a row coming in. So this is not going to be easy on the ice, no matter what. <laughs> Coverage at 6 45 over on AM 710. Jesse, thank you for doing this. It was wonderful. And the next time we do this, you're more than welcome to talk to us while you're getting hair done again.
2: Hey, I appreciate it. I'm glad you uh, enjoyed it. My hairstylist
1: says hello as well. Hello, hello. Thank you much. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. I Jesse Pierce, NHL.com. She covers the wild, does a fantastic job, and is now getting her hair done. How are we going do it? UMV women's basketball senior Taya Hakamaki coming up. We'll talk some Bulldog Hoops. Don't forget, we had uh, men's basketball coach Justin Wick yesterday. Get the podcast page up. If you missed that, KDAL610. Bruce Siskey's show continues, brought to you by Sanju on KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike
0: Grimm. The University of Minnesota men's basketball team will host New Orleans tonight at 6 at Williams Arena. We'll get a scouting report next. we are professionals we are family and friends we are volunteers we are community partners we are a team dedicated to helping you succeed we help protect and serve america's businesses when you need us we're here to help at federated mutual insurance company it's our business to protect yours rated a plus superior by am best company for head Coach Ben Johnson tells us about the visiting Privateers.
4: Kind of an old school team in terms of how they play offensively. They run some high-low stuff. They run some floppy action. Um, they got a really good guard that can really score just around 18 a game. It's going to be a, a challenge. They got some inside bodies. We're going to have to be physical in the paint. Also, be able to control a guy that can that can single-handedly go get you know 20, 30 points because he's proven that. I mean, he's, he can score in every every way. And so, um, you know, this game is also going to be a lot about us and being able. To like, how do we respond? You know, how do we bounce back with just the keys that we're going to emphasize with shot selection and, and turnovers? I think that, that for me, big picture, is, is just as important as uh, our scout versus them.
0: And how important with two Big Ten games looming is Thursday just to get some of that stuff uh, in the right frame of mind and right uh, production on the court?
4: No, it's, it's good. I mean, it's big. But I think just, again, we try to really stay focused on our like, today. You know, and then that stuff's coming, and I'm hoping our guys aren't. Obviously, we can't look past anybody, but I think if if you worry about the details for today, and and worry about practice tomorrow, and then that carries over to the game against New Orleans, and then we worry about whoever is next, is just having that mentality.
0: That's Ben Johnson, and that's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. Take us with you on your mobile with the free K D A L Radio
3: app. It's all I listen to. All
1: right, coming up on this Thursday morning. Bulldog basketball teams are home this weekend. We chatted with men's coach Justin Wick yesterday, and we'll talk to women's senior Taya Hakamaki out of Cromwell. She joins after a CBS News update. Bruce Siski Show brought to you by Sanju. Sanju Polaris, Sanju.com, where the cars are. News is next, 1032, 610-103.9, KDAL. The Roos Show.
3: I enjoy having breakfast in bed. I like waking up to the smell of bacon, sue me. And since I don't have a butler, I have to do it myself. So most nights before I go to bed, I will lay six strips of bacon out on my George Foreman grill. Then I go to sleep. When I wake up, I plug in the grill. I go back to sleep again. Then I wake up to the smell of crackling bacon. It is delicious. It's good for me. It's a perfect way to start the day. On
0: 610 and FM 103.9, KDAL.
1: 10.38, we'll preview Bulldog men's hockey this weekend with Omaha coach Mike Gabinette on the radio show tomorrow. Had a good conversation yesterday. We'll play that back for you about to 10.10. Tomorrow morning. Uh, joining us now from the UMV Women's Basketball Team, Senora Cromwell Taya Hakamaki. Good morning.
3: Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I've got nothing to complain about. A beautiful day. Hopefully, a big weekend for you guys. Uh, but we'll get we'll get to that. We'll talk about this team and, and the season you guys have gotten started here. But I want to go way way back first. What is the first memory you have with a basketball in your hands?
3: Oh boy. Um. I have to think. I was pretty young. I started playing basketball, I think, like actually playing in a game around second grade with my sister. But I would just say, probably growing up, we had a little hoop um, outside our house in our driveway, and it was on the cement. So I remember my sister and I kind of just shooting hoops outside there. We also had a little one inside, too, inside our house, too. But yeah.
1: What drew you to basketball?
3: I would say probably just my older siblings. I'm the youngest of three, so uh, seeing them kind of get into sports and then having my brother and my sister actually start playing basketball was probably what really got me into playing in the first place.
1: Did you play anything else growing up?
3: I did. So I played basketball, and then in high school I played volleyball and softball as well.
1: Was basketball always number one for you?
3: Yeah, I would say it was. I did really enjoy the other sports as well, but um, basketball was really my first passion, and I kind of um, played all year round during high school with AU, so... I dedicated a lot of time to basketball. That's for
1: sure. We're talking to UMD women's basketball senior Taya Hackamaki. So uh, you you played multiple sports growing up. We, we always encourage kids. Yeah, you know, I I've, I've spent time you know all the coaching clinics and such over the years, and how hard they want to encourage kids to play multiple sports. It's really important. But at some point you're gonna you're gonna start focusing on one. When that point came for you, which which of those two sports you played besides basketball were the hardest to give up?
3: Um. Well, I still continued playing throughout my high school career, but obviously, with AAU practice that consisted of going to basketball after volleyball or going to basketball after softball practice, so that kind of stuff. But um, I would say for the most part, I kind of let go more of softball in a way, and just during that time of the year, really focused on um, improving my basketball skills and just continuing to grow as a basketball player.
1: I know that that we all had the COVID year to deal with. That was your freshman year. But can you believe that this is your fourth year already at college?
3: No, it's crazy. It seems like the time's gone by so fast. Um, I can kind of picture like looking back on freshman year and having COVID. I remember there wasn't a lot of people on campus and um, we were in the apartment. So it was kind of us and other athletes and just seeing them. But We consistently went to practice and then just did online schooling, so it was was an interesting year that's for sure, but um, it did give us some time to just focus on basketball too and continue with school, although it was from like a remote location, we didn't actually go to class, but
1: you have a, a kind of core group at UMD that you, you've you kind of grown up with, and, and Brooke Olson now has moved on. But what, what were these last couple of years like? You guys had such good teams. We knew you were going to have good teams. You know, Brooke was the leader, of course, but, but you, you have other leaders in this group. But this is a pretty special group you guys have, have cultivated at UMD.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, looking over the past few years, it's been a great experience. It's been super fun. Um, We have a great team, great team dynamic. Um, We all get along super well and just kind of growing as a team and with losing Brooke last year, obviously that's a big um, loss. You know, a lot of our offense ran through her and she scored a lot of our points and was also a big help on defense too with stopping the posts and stuff. Um, But, yeah, no, I mean, looking at the team this year, um, we are growing and we're kind of still learning on – learning how we we play with each other and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's been one of our biggest things this year is with losing Brooke and Mason, just kind of figuring out our offense. And defense is something that we always focus on every year, no matter what. It's a really important factor in our game. So I think just continuing to improve on defense and – just kind of finding that groove with offense is going to be something that's really important for us
1: this year. You and Ella Gilbertson both had tremendous NCAA tournaments last year. You both hit some big shots. Ella hit the, the winning shot in that regional final against Missouri Southern at Romano Gym. You know, how much confidence did you gain as, as you went forward in, in the postseason last year? And, and it felt like the two of you especially it got better and better as the, as the postseason went on.
3: Yeah, um, so last year it was um, Elle and I were both kind of stepping into a little bit different roles throughout the year. We got a little bit more playing time and um, obviously that helped build our confidence when going into the games and just being able to play and go with the flow and kind of help create for others. But yeah, I would say like last year during postseason both we did pretty well and uh, worked really hard to compete and that kind of brought more confidence into this year and the kind of the roles we're stepping into this year a little bit more in the leadership roles as we're seniors now so I think that really helped kind of with the transition to the role we are stepping into this year which is um which was really nice.
1: I mentioned that regional final against Missouri Southern what do you remember about that night at Romano Gym?
3: Oh it was crazy I mean I have never seen Romano that packed in my entire life personally so that was really exciting just to kind of have that following and have the loose community behind us as we um, played through that game which it was super exciting and um, I can just kind of remember even the time when Ella did hit that big shot like everyone in the gym just like erupted it was it was so crazy and we are so thankful for all
1: the people who came to watch that game. I, I, I remember. Sorry, I remember the next day. I we had Mandy Pearson, your coach, on the radio show, and 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 she said we never stopped believing. Do you remember that? it's one thing you can say it. You know, when you're down, you know, 15, whatever it was, with you know, seven minutes left in, in a game, you can say you believe. But it, it you guys actually, you you felt like you're gonna come back in that game, and you did. Yeah,
3: no, for sure. Um, I remember having conversations like during halftime and when we were down and timeouts, and it's just like we have to keep piecing little or um, getting points back by piece by piece and just kind of competing. And, you know, when you're in a situation where it could be your last game, you're going to obviously do everything that you can. And as a team, we kind of just came together and said, you know, we're going to give it our all and just um, do what we can. And I honestly will give a lot back to the. The fans. I think like they kept our energy super high during that game, and honestly, it was it was crazy. It was it was a lot, but it was really good.
1: Talking to UMD women's basketball senior Taya Hackamaki out of Cromwell. So uh, this year, you mentioned a little different role for you uh, offensively. You're you're up in the double digits per game. You had a 27 point game against Michigan Tech on on Saturday or Friday, I should say, at Romano Gym. How's it felt so far for you through five games?
3: Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, with my game I think that like a lot of the times I like to focus on just um doing what I can and going with the flow and um just helping out in the best way that I can and sometimes that is like what you said when I need to I can score and stuff but also I like to focus on like being able to distribute and make plays for other people on the team as well and we do have a lot of offensive um strengths this year we have a lot of depth so that's really nice too because um, we can go to more than just like a few people. A lot of our a lot of our girls can score and and create for others too, which is really nice.
1: Uh, Tatum Rhodes is kind of running things at the point position with Mason Mason Thiessen having moved on. What's that uh, changeover been like? That transition. It's not like Tatum Rhodes is new. This is her fifth year.
3: Yeah, no. Tatum is a great leader. She is vocal and um, she can really help provide a lot of insight. And she's just really smart with the ball, which is good because we. Um, that helps with running our offense and stuff but no she's able to create plays she can score really well and She's just an overall really talented player, which is good
1: to have as our um, point guard and leader on the team. You've got a, you've had a couple of years here, and you're, you're very familiar with this. The hallmark of this program is defense, and defense is sustainable. How do you feel, you guys? Because you know, that's an adjustment as well. You've got different players in different roles, even though you've got a lot of experience. Players are doing things that maybe weren't asked to do before. How do you feel that that transition's been a, a kind of a learning process for your group here defensively?
3: Yeah, um, defense is super huge with our program and obviously there are things that we have to continue to work on, but I think that, um, you know, just kind of learning how, we, how our defensive style works and just kind of picking up on those few things and then just continuing to work on it throughout the season. I know that we've been focusing on a lot of different um, defensive aspects lately, which is um, something that's going to overall improve our game throughout the season.
1: How much of this is just a, a kind of full team? You guys all just buy in. This is this is how we play. We're going and, and we're going to make this work, and, and we're going to find ways to get stops defensively, and then kind of build off of that.
3: Yeah. So we just really focus on um, getting stops, and then that can lead to offensive plays and limiting turnovers, and just kind of um, controlling what they do on offense, which will really help. Um, kind of determine the outcome of the game for us. If we can get stops on defense and then turn around and create offensive plays, that's what we're really looking for.
1: Finishing up with UMD senior Teah Hakamaki, why number three?
3: Honestly, I, I don't really know. I mean, I was not number three in high school. I was number one in high school. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's honestly because we didn't have number one here. So I kinda of chose a number close to it, but um yeah.
1: Were you drawn to number one? Was that when you wore it in high school? Was that assigned to you? Did you pick it? How'd that go about?
3: Um, I think it was just like it was an available option and I kinda of got it when I was a little bit younger, maybe when I started playing on the varsity level. And then I just kind of stuck with it throughout the throughout my high school career and then when I got to UMD and noticed they didn't have it, I was like, Okay, well, I'll just pick one close
1: to it I guess <laughs> that hey that makes sense uh, it's a, a two yeah. o'clock two <laughs> o'clock start on Saturday and then four o'clock Sunday versus Wayne State Saturday August and a Sunday best of luck there throughout the rest of the season thank you for doing this today
3: Yeah, of course. Thank you.
1: Appreciate it. Taya Hakimaki is a senior on the UMD women's basketball team out of Cromwell, one of the all-time greats of the Cromwell Wright program, and uh, now leaving her mark on the Bulldogs as well. Bulldogs versus Wayne State. Doubleheader starts at noon Saturday, and then Augustana Sunday. That men's-women's doubleheader starts at 2 o'clock. Get tickets at UMDBulldogs.com. One last shout-out here this morning for the volleyball team. As UMD is now in Saint Paul, the Bulldogs are in the Central Region Tournament. They match up with Concordia Saint Paul this afternoon. Number seven, or no, they were oh, sorry, they're at Concordia Saint Paul. They match up with Wayne State. Number seven versus number two this afternoon. It's a two-thirty start at the Gangelhoff Center at Concordia Saint Paul. Uh, Bulldog volleyball team versus Wayne State as the Bulldogs try to keep their season alive. It is winter-go-home in the opening round of the Central Region Tournament. The winner of the tournament advances to the national tournament in Moon Township, Pennsylvania next weekend. So hopefully it's uh, good news on the Bulldogs later on this afternoon. It's a 2.30 start. You can stream it. Just go to umvbulldogs.com. They'll have all the video stream information there for you uh, come 2.30 this afternoon. 10.50. We're brought to you by Sanju, Sanju Polaris, Sanju.com, where the cars are up in beautiful Two Harbors, Minnesota. Ryan Phelps, prep update, then we're back to wrap it up on a Thursday. Bruce Siski show 610, 103.9, KDAL. KDAL, that's
4: pretty much my news. Streaming
1: live on the KDAL mobile app. 10:59. It's a hockey Friday tomorrow, and we'll preview the Bulldogs and Omaha Mavericks this weekend at Amsoil. Seven o'clock game tomorrow. Five o'clock for Saturday's game here on KDAL, Omaha coach Mike Gabonetz our guest tomorrow. We'll also, playback my Cody Chup conversation from this week. Bulldog men's hockey assistant. Bulldogs winless in eight as they host the Mavericks. This weekend. That's tomorrow, Brad and Kenny with Sound Off after the news. Have a great Thursday. Thank you for listening. This has been
0: the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No. Yes. No. Well.